This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lexicon Valley is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, a new video service with more than 5,000 lectures. As a member, you can watch as many lectures as you want, anytime, on any device. And for a limited time, Lexicon Valley listeners can watch The Fundamentals of Photography for free by visiting thegreatcoursesplus.com slash lexicon. And by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers right to your door everything you need to create a home-cooked meal. Farm-fresh ingredients are perfectly portioned and come with an easy-to-follow recipe card, so you can create a delicious dinner in 40 minutes or less. Visit blueapron.com lexicon to get your first two meals free. From Washington, D.C., this is Lexicon Valley a podcast about language. I'm Bob Garfield with Mike Volo, and today, episode number 79, a new installment of Linguafile, wherein we discuss a mystery word or phrase with lexicographer Ben Zimmer. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Bobby. How you doing, buddy? Splendid, thank you. And your own self? I'm great. I'm great. And Ben, how are you? And what is our clue? I'm feeling pretty good, and I've got another fun word for you guys. On January 18th, you might have heard about a debate that went on in the British Parliament. The British House of Commons debated barring Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump from the United Kingdom following his controversial comments on Muslims and a U.K. petition drive signed by nearly 600,000 people. Labor MP Paul Flynn opened the session, saying the debate was in no disrespect to the United States, but about the comments of Mr. Trump. This debate is three hours. So they had this parliamentary debate. Ultimately, they decided not to ban Trump from the UK. But there was all sorts of very interesting language that came up during the debate, including from Victoria Atkins, who is a Tory MP. And she had this to say of Trump. 
His policy. Wait, let, me, cl- let me see. Is, is it dickwad? Is it douchebag? <laughs> is it asshat? Is it uh, demagogue? Is it blowhard? Is it moron? Is it shit piece? <laughs> I, how I'm am still, I doing? I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea that the British Parliament can actually vote to ban a single individual human being from the country. <laughs> it was a remarkable debate. And, and I think at least a few of the words that Bob said were actually used, perhaps not shit piece. But this is what Victoria Atkins had to say about Trump during the debate. His policy to close borders uh, if he is elected pr- as president is bonkers. And if uh, he met one or two of my constituents in uh, one of the many excellent pubs in my constituency, then they may well tell him that he is a for uh, dealing with this issue in this way. A wanker? Oh, you said wanker. Okay, now that's a, a fine guess, but I don't believe that wanker is actually acceptable parliamentary language. It's something a little bit toned down from wanker, but in the same family of insults. Tool? <laughs> Well, the first two letters of wanker were correct, but it's a very British insult. So if you didn't hear about it, then I'm afraid uh, you uh, may be out of luck on this one. W-A are the first two letters of this particular British insult. Oh, wash it, peace. (laughs) (laughs) It's something that's quite unfamiliar to American ears. Hmm. Well, then I probably don't know it. Give me a third letter, though. Okay, third letter coming up. Z or Z, if you prefer. And a fourth letter, please. A wazoo. <laughs> Another Z or Z mm-hmm. and an O, <laughs> but it's not wazoo. Can we have a six letter? <laughs> uh, uh, C. <laughs> I was. Uh... <laughs> There's only one oh. more letter, so. <laughs> oh, wazak. Wazak. With a K at the end. <laughs> of course, wazak. And if uh, he met one or two of my constituents in. Uh, one of the many excellent pubs in my constituency, then they may well tell him that he is a wazak for uh, dealing with this issue in this way. I don't believe I've ever heard or seen that word. <laughs> well, you know, the first time I heard about it was four years ago when another Republican candidate was being called a wazak, and that was Mitt Romney. Do you remember in 2012, summer of 2012, when Mitt Romney went to the U.K.? And he was burnishing his foreign policy credentials. Yeah, exactly. And it was a complete fiasco. You know, even before he got there, he had already insulted the planners of the London Olympics by saying they didn't do such a good job compared to, you know, the Salt Lake City Olympics. You know, it's hard to know just how well it would turn out. There are a few things that were disconcerting. The stories about the uh, private security firm not having enough people, uh, the supposed strike of the immigration and customs officials. That obviously is not something which is encouraging. Let's see, who who was the executive in charge of the Salt Lake City Olympics? I'm trying to remember. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was, uh, yes, of course, it was uh, Mitt Romney. Well, to be fair, the, the logo for the London Olympics was a swastika. <laughs> there might have been problems, but he uh, really got off on a bad foot with that and various other remarks that led to all sorts of unpleasant headlines like Mitt the Twit or in the Telegraph, Mitt Romney is a Wazak. Wait, what is the definition of a Wazak exactly? Okay, well, it's defined actually by the OED as a stupid or annoying person or an idiot. So it's not considered profane. That's right. That's right. Interestingly enough, this word came up in the British press in a completely unrelated story 
Apparently, there is a Labour MP. You know, the Labour Party has their own shadow cabinet, so he's the shadow culture minister, Chris Bryant. And he was talking about the success of the actor Eddie Redmayne and the singer James Blunt, who are both rather high class in British society. And Chris Bryant said, I'm delighted that They're Eddie posh. Redmayne... Yes. Chris Bryant said, I'm delighted that Eddie Redmayne won a Golden Globe for Best Actor, but we can't just have a culture dominated by Eddie Redmayne and James Blunt and their ilk, saying there should be more diversity in terms of class background, I suppose. And Blunt responded quite bluntly on January 19th, which was just a day after the parliamentary debate, so perhaps he had that in his head. But he wrote this response to Bryant, and he said, I got signed in America where they don't give a stuff about or even understand what you mean by me and my ilk, you prejudiced wazak, and I worked my ass off. The Guardian helpfully provided a kind of explainer for this word wazak to non-Brits. This is what The Guardian had to say. It is one of a number of faintly limp insults that are more often used ironically than in serious. See also twit, pillock, wally, plonker. Basically, they can all be used on the telly without frightening your gran. The Guardian goes on to say, this list, by the way, does not include wanker, which is much ruder than many Americans seem to realize. Because <laughs> it normally... means masturbator, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. Which is a weird insult. Yeah, you masturbator. You person. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you are such a person. You're a human being. <laughs> I suppose the idea is that you're very self-involved and so that the wanking of the wanker is particularly, you know, <laughs> yeah, keep going with that line of reasoning. Right. Okay, whatever. <laughs> the point is that Americans don't appreciate that wanker isn't a class of its own compared to these other insults. Wasik sounds to me like a Tolkien coinage or something, you know, like a, <laughs> a species of evil orcs or something. That's an interesting image. Uh, so if you were to sort of plot this onto the geography of the United Kingdom, where where would these Wasiks be coming from, do you think? Well, the north. Wazakstan, north. obviously. <laughs> or Wazakshire, as yeah. the case may be. Wazakshire. <laughs> uh, you know, it seems to me maybe, uh, you know, the border with Wales, for example. Or the border with Scotland, Hadrian's right. Wall. They're scaling the wall. <laughs> Mike is more on target. It is a northern term. It comes from the northern dialects of British English, so up closer to Scotland in areas like Lancashire and Yorkshire. I have no clue as to the etymology of this word, but it seems to me like it's probably a 20th century coinage. Further... Mark me down for Chaucer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so well, there's a slight gap, Mike, of uh, I think 600 years or something. Believe it or not, you know, British English doesn't all go back to Chaucer necessarily. And Actually, a lot of these words, these insult terms, are relatively new, at least uh, in the written record. Of course, a lot of them, I'm sure, were being used orally for a while before they got written down. Wazik, along with these other ones like Plunker and so forth, really only date to uh, the last few decades, believe it or not. So there are people alive who were present at the creation or at least the popularization of this word. And so you would think that we would be able to figure out where it came from if it's really not that old. Think? Does that mean we're in for some <laughs> kind of muddy etymological situation here? Well, it's never straightforward, is it? You know, that, that would be way too easy for us. 
And, you know, the words that get suggested to us from listeners, and this is another listener suggestion. Thank you, Justin So, for suggesting it. Our listeners hit us with the tough stuff, the ones that don't necessarily have easy answers, but they want to hear us tease apart the possibilities. Right. Of course, if they did have easy answers, they would just be able to find it in a reference book. In fact, Wazik is a word that has even stumped the Oxford English Dictionary. All right. We will be back in just a moment with more about the OED and its attempt to trace the word Wazik. But first, Lexicon Valley is brought to you this week by The Great Courses Plus, which is a virtual library of thousands of lectures. One of the most popular courses that they offer and one that really benefits from video, incidentally, is called The Fundamentals of Photography. This is taught by Joel Sartori, who is a longtime photographer for National Geographic magazine, which is, of course, the gold standard when it comes to absolutely gorgeous photos of the natural world and of animals and even people. Yes, there is no substitute for just getting out there with a camera and taking pictures and learning by doing, but photography is complicated enough that you really need a foundation of knowledge. Shutter speeds, the aperture, lighting, basic composition, that's exactly what this course is. It's 24 half-hour lectures by one of the best in the business. It normally costs $235, but it's available for a limited time for free right now at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash lexicon. So if you have a camera that's been sitting on a shelf for several years, take it down, check out this course, and get motivated. It really is free for Lexicon Valley listeners if you visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash lexicon. Okay, back to Ben and the word Wazik. About 10 years ago, 2006, 2007, the OED launched something called the Word Hunt, where there were certain words, certain entries that they wanted help from the public in order to ascertain where they came from. They actually had a whole set of insults, insulting terms for people that they needed help in. They wanted antedatings. They wanted people to come up with examples earlier than what they already had. And these words included plonker, prat, tosser, wally, and wazik. So as part of this initiative, the OED actually had a mini-series on BBC Two called Balderdash and Piffle. Discover the fascinating stories behind the words and phrases we use every day. Balderdash and Piffle starts Tuesday at 9 on BBC Two. I had a uh, two-story walk-up at that intersection at Balderdash and Piffle. (laughs) It was nice, but there was a laundrette around the corner and uh, an unsavory crowd tended to hang out. Here's a cracking insult. Wazzock. Nobody knows what it means. It sounds great. And everyone from children to grannies can use it without blushing. But where does it come from? The earliest print example that the OED had was from 1984. It appeared in a book by a British comedian named Mike Harding. And it was the caption to a cartoon. This book had various cartoons in it. And there was one cartoon that showed the three wise men. But one of them has Frankenstein's monster on a rope. And one of the other wise men said, We said frankincense, you cloth-eared wazik. So frankincense, Frankenstein. New yeah. hmm. kind of it's a, a bad joke. cartoon, <laughs> yeah. and it isn't funny. <laughs> well. <laughs> but it does, you know, it does invoke wazik, so there's that. 
Right, right. You cloth-eared Wazak is a nice little put-down from Mike Harding, who happens to come from the north of England. He is from the Lancashire region outside of Manchester. So when uh, the OED was doing their word hunt and broadcasting Balderdash and Piffle, Mike Harding was one of the people that they talked to to try to figure out the origin of this, since you know they had this example from him from 1984. He said that he had actually used it uh, earlier than that, and uh, there was actually a recording of him from 1976. Hmm. Wait, this raises a question for me. Does the Oxford English Dictionary accept citations that are not written, that are just from audio that was captured? That's an excellent question, and indeed they do. So the OED diligently transcribed the Beaky Knucklewort routine in which Mike Harding describes how he and his mates would pull all sorts of pranks on poor Beaky Knucklewort. Beaky being the, the, the name of a hated teacher. At one point, uh, they see Beaky riding along on an old run-down bike, and he describes how his friends kind of egg him on to say something nasty or cheeky to Beaky. So he steps out and says, Hey, Beaky, get off and milk it. The joke being that the bike was so run down, it was like a run-down cow, I suppose. Hey, Beaky, get off and milk it. <laughs> <laughs> And I looked round. I was alone. <laughs> all my hundreds of best mates, all my buddies, gone. Stood there like a wazzock on the pavement. That's pretty cool. It's like the Oxford English Dictionary says, OK, Harding, we have the earliest written citation from a book that you wrote. Where did you get it from? And he's like, I'll do you one better. I, I'll give you me saying this word eight right. years earlier than that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, but what's also illuminating is up until the last, like, seven minutes, I thought the British were funnier than us. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly, there was another example from a different British folk comedian of the same era named Tony Capstick. Tony Capstick put out a single in 1981 where he was doing a parody of a famous television commercial from the 70s for a brand of bread called Hovis. This Hovis advert was, in fact, voted as the UK's all-time favorite commercial in a poll about 10 years ago. I like how you went native Brit there with advert. Well, yes, it's an advert, and it's a beloved advert. The advert <laughs> was directed by none other than Ridley Scott, and this is actually how he got his start, along with his brother, Tony Scott, who also became a big-time Hollywood director. He directed Top Gun and lots of other big blockbusters. But when they were just starting out, they were commercial directors, and they did this one commercial for Hovis Bread in 1973. It was quite popular. It involved a boy on a bike, and he's like bringing his bike up this hill. But you hear this voiceover of an older man who's reminiscing about being a boy and growing up. And, of course, he has this northern dialect, the way that he's talking. Last stop on round would be on my Peggotty's place. Twas like taking bread to the top of the world. Twas a grand ride back, though. I knew Baker at Avcattle on and doorsteps about always ready. There's wheat germ in that loaf, he'd say. Get it inside your boy. 
and you'll be going up that hill as fast as you come down. Though this still has many times more wheat germ than ordinary bread. It's as good for you today as it's always been. So Tony Capstick actually put out a comedy routine. It was called Capstick Comes Home. And it took that same approach where you hear that same kind of voiceover with that northern accent with a brass band in the background, except it's reminiscing about uh, these terrible things, including how his father reached out and gently pulled my mom towards him by the throat. You big, fat, idle, ugly wart, he said. You great, useless, spawny-eyed, parrot-faced wazzock. He had a way with words, my father. He'd been to college, you know. Wow. So <laughs> that's pretty dark. <laughs> He's it's like a dark, using yeah. his own <laughs> domestic abuse past as a well, <laughs> fodder for this parody. At least and, verbal uh, abuse. Pointedly, <laughs> no mention of wheat germ. <laughs> no, they skipped the wheat germ in this. So you have the uh, spawny eyed, parrot faced Wazak showing up in that 1981 parody. That was very widely heard. So that probably had more to do with introducing this word from the north of England to the broader British public. Unlike Wanker, it seems to me that Wazik could never make the leap here to the United States. It just does not quite roll off the tongue in the way that insults typically do for American English speakers. And here, let's face it, it's in competition with Yiddish which yes. already has schlemiel and schmuck on various, which I think probably bookend Wazik for being obtuse and kind of a loser. So is this 1976 audio recording of Harding, is that now the earliest example of Wazik? Yes, it is. And it's noted in the OED that way, uh, transcribed from that performance. But when they went to Mike Harding, when they were doing Balderdash and Piffle, he said he didn't invent it. He didn't take credit for coining it. He pinpointed it to around uh, 1968 or 1969, the first time he heard it. Uh, he told the Manchester Evening News, he said, if it wasn't Shakespeare, then it was somebody in Barnsley, Barnsley being in South Yorkshire. He said, I picked up the word there, and it seemed so perfect, a jagged pebble of a word that perfectly describes somebody who is daft but not hateful. Hmm. I used it in my stage and TV shows, and the rest is etymological history. Okay, we will get to the possible origins of Wazik in a moment. Lexicon Valley is also brought to you by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron will deliver to your door all the ingredients you need to create a home-cooked meal, and they even provide a recipe card with step-by-step -step instructions. All of the meals are specially designed to take 40 minutes or less to prepare, so they're perfect for a weeknight when you might not have a large block of time to make dinner. Here's what you could be eating this very week. Spiced salmon with black rice, avocado, and blood orange salad. That sounds great to me. Or miso honey roasted chicken and baby sweet potatoes with stir-fried sesame bok choy. If you're not a meat eater, then how about beet pasta with greens, goat cheese, fennel, and walnuts? That's what's great about these recipes. They often include ingredients that you wouldn't normally cook with, like beet pasta and even fennel, which is an underutilized vegetable in my experience. And all of the recipes are between 500 and 700 calories per portion. Right now, you can get your first two meals for free at blueapron.com slash lexicon. Blue Apron, 
a better way to cook. All right, once again, back to Ben. So this word wazik definitely took off in the 80s and 90s, and now it seems to be, you know, making a comeback yet again. The Guardian actually talked to Harding again because wazik is in the news, and this time around he gave a more elaborate explanation of uh, where it came from. It's so funny. When people repeatedly get asked certain questions like that, the answers as the years go by become more specific, <laughs> more detailed, more elaborate. Oh, yes. You'd think just yes. the opposite, but no. Well, keep in mind who we're dealing with. He's a performer. He's a folk singer slash comedian, and his job is to embellish. So he told The Guardian, I used it when I was a kid. It was fairly common in the north in Lancashire and Yorkshire. According to Harding, it takes its name from the habit of medieval kings to, quote, take a crap on a shovel. The royal turd would be wazed out of the window, and the wazik was the tool for performing this operation. The Guardian correspondent rightly uh, says this seems to be too good to be true. And Harding's reply is, it can't possibly not be true. <laughs> what was his source for this? <laughs> well, his, he, his own know, he, fevered imagination. In, clearly his imagination. But that's a great answer. It, it can't possibly yes. not be true because it's just too plainly wonderful. But, of course, it's an in, invented entirely out of whole cloth. Take it with a, an enormous grain of salt, let's say. But there are other theories that are more plausible, even though, you know, according to the OED and the other experts, origin unknown, there are some other possibilities that are worth taking into account. For instance, in the book that came out along with that show, Balderdash and Piffle, there was a companion volume by Alex Games. He talked about that word, wazik, and he says its northern bluntness is appealing and it achieves its effect through its combination of familiar sounds. The waz contrasts ironically with the swiftness of whiz, and the ending ok, O-C-K, reminds of other words like pillock. Bollocks. Bollocks, yeah. Now, that if we break it down that way into waz plus that O-C-K ending, then we can look at other words that, you know, have that same ending. So you mentioned bollock, which is really ball plus O-C-K, bollock as in testicle. There's also bullock. B-U-L-L-O-C-K, for a young castrated bull, which is bull with that O-C-K ending. Also for Hillock. for Jim J. Bullock. Jim J. Bullock, there you go. Hillock? Hillock, yes, a little hill. So you can see how there is, uh, in some cases, O-C-K was used as a diminutive. A hillock is a little hill. But it also is in, for instance, the word buttock. You know, buttock is just butt with that O-C-K ending. It's a Germanic suffix that shows up in these various words. It shows up in some, you know, animal names and names to refer to uh, humans as well. There are all sorts of uh, nasty words no longer in use in English for women, like philic, fussock, kiddock, and pussock. Then we have wazik as a sort of newer member of that family with that O-C-K ending. You know, it's amazing, Ben, in consideration of when this started finding its way into popular usage, that it doesn't show up in uh, Monty Python, which <laughs> uses twit and many another mild epithet to describe various types. I can't believe that they didn't embrace Wozzeck at some mm. point in one of their sketches. Well, perhaps it really required someone who is distinctly northern, you know, from Yorkshire or Lancashire to use it. But it certainly sounds rather Monty Python-ish. Another word that was mentioned by uh, Alex Games in Balderdash and Piffle as a similar word 
was Pillock. Good morning. I'd care to purchase a chicken, please. Don't come here with that posh talk, you nasty stuck-up twit. <laughs> I beg your pardon? A chicken, sir, certainly. Here Thank we are. Thank you. And how much does that work out to per pound, my good fellow? Per pound, you slimy trollop. What kind of a ponce are you? <laughs> I beg your pardon? That's all right, sir. Call again. Excuse me. What is it now, you great pillock? <laughs> Again, this is a, a word that Americans don't necessarily know much about, but that's an insult that actually has some very old roots. Pillock was a shortened form of pillicock. And in fact, it shows up in Shakespeare, in King Lear. There's a scene where Edgar is wandering on the heath after the storm, and he meets Lear, and he's posing as a madman named Tom O'Bedlam. And Edgar says, Pillicock sat on Pillicock Hill. In that context, it's just this kind of nonsense word with sexual connotations. In other contexts, it clearly refers to the penis. And, you know, we were talking about all the Yiddish words for insults. Uh, you know, this is a popular source for putting someone down is to use a colorful term for the male member and applying that to a human. Given all this background of, you know, these sorts of insults and where they come from, it's not surprising that people have said the same about wazak. And in fact, if you go to Urban Dictionary, you will find someone saying that it originally meant bull's penis. There's nothing really to back that up. But if we look at that first element, was, as Alex Games pointed out, was sounds a bit like whiz, a term that we use for urination. So we have whiz and we have was, and it's not clear on the chronology here, but we now get was in British English meaning to urinate. And in fact, uh, wazed could mean drunk, which is perhaps a play on pissed, meaning drunk. Mm. So you could be wazed or wazaked. Again, it's unclear which one came first. Was it first, you know, waz, which had something to do with urination, and then that leads to wazak, or is it the other way around? We don't have lots of evidence to support it one way or the other. But again, it's part of all of the resonances that this particular word would have for British English speakers that are mostly lost on us Americans. Yeah, these resonances all make sense to me. It just feels frustrating that we can't make this more concrete, that we can't pin yeah. this down further. Well, the, you know, there was one other suggestion, again, by uh, Alex Games, who wrote the book that went along with Balderdash and Piffle, and he said that his favorite theory is that if you take the word wiseacre, which actually dates back all the way to 1595, and then, as he says, scrunch it up and straighten it out again, it might sound very like wazak. Wiseacre has roots in Dutch, actually. It's from uh, Middle Dutch Weissegger actually meant soothsayer in Dutch. Uh, in English, it came to mean someone who thinks of himself as wise, but generally a foolish person. Smart aleck. Yeah, later we have smart aleck and, of course, smart ass and wise ass in American English. So if you take that word wiseacre, could you imagine that there's a, you know, in some British dialect, they kind of slurred it together and, and made wazak out of it? It's possible, but again, there's no actual <laughs> evidence for it. But, you know, I, I like that particular one. Of course one. it's possible. I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a country whose dialects take Worcestershire and turns it into Worcestershire. It seems to me that any degree of scrunching up is possible. I actually <laughs> like the wiseacre explanation less. The sound resonance and the urination and the ock ending, that all just makes more sense to me. 
It's still unclear even if you're just talking about these uh, northern regions, Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Did it come from one place or the other? Interestingly enough, there's evidence of a use of that word wazik among rock climbers in the northern region as early as 1965. There's a very large national park up there called the Peak District, and it's actually between Manchester, which is the Lancashire side on the west, and Sheffield, which is the Yorkshire side on the east. And there is a rocky formation there, which was called Wazak in 1965, according to the rock climbers' guides of the area. Now, why would someone in 1965 call this thing Wazak? What did it mean for that person who named it? Perhaps it was the shape, who knows, of that particular rock formation that gave it its name. But that stands right in the middle of that region there as another kind of perplexing mystery about this word and how people were using it. Everything about this puzzle feels very tantalizingly solvable. So please write to us, lexiconvalley at slate.com. That's lexiconvalley at slate.com. And follow us on Twitter at lexiconvalley. Please also subscribe to our feed in the iTunes store. You can read more about the word Wazik this week in Ben's Word Roots column at vocabulary.com, where he is the executive editor. And I want to thank Andy Bowers, our chief content officer. All right, boys, we done here? We are done. Later, skaters. You're beautiful, it's true. There must be an angel with a smile on her face. When she thought up that I should be with you. But it's time to face the truth. I will never be with